Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey everyone, BT here and welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside. My best is all that matters and we're going to be bringing you the best on this beautiful, beautiful day. Been working on my intros there. How's that? Sound? Nice. It's yeah, beautiful. Solid. You're solid. Good at this. this is my best. This is my, <laughs> my best is all that matters, but we're always moving our best forward. So that's good. All right. Well, we could have called this episode that we're going inside the comparison episode because much of the problems we run into oftentimes come from how we compare ourselves to others. And that's where I want to start today. You know, we live in a world, or at least I live in a world where jealousy and envy are sort of exacerbated, whether yeah. it's social media posts or the constant reminder that everybody else is doing something and you're not doing anything. And it can be very triggering. So uh, blanket to start out here, what is the fix with that? What would you tell a person like me to be able to not constantly be comparing yourselves with what other people are doing? Well, I think ultimately we, we all want to get to the place where we're not concerned what other people think. But the problem is that you're not trusting what you think about yourself. And you're probably also con- too concerned with making mistakes for, for whatever reason. But what's interesting about this is that if you, if you take a child and you raise that child and they're constantly criticized or uh, they're made wrong, they're not allowed to build any confidence in their own self-esteem, in their own uh, result without having constant criticism over their result, they're going to become hyper-focused on what other people think about them. And it be in it because it has such an immediate feedback in the mind of the individual, a person can become obsessed with this to the point where they can't get themselves to just be be okay with their own decision. Part of it is that you have to be okay with making a mistake, you know, and we as a general rule, we raise people with the idea that it's not okay to make a mistake. We start we discipline them from an early age. We correct them. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't correct people. What I'm saying is that if you have an agenda in an environment that is more focused on the mistake of the child, that becomes more focused in their mind as they grow up. They try to not make mistakes instead of actually trying to go out there and do something great. And that's what you end up with. You you end up with somebody that can't, they're constantly overthinking things and they're really worried about what other people think of them. Well, totally. And I, and I'm, I think of that, you know, in my life in particular, you know, and obsessing about perfection. And you've said multiple times that perfection is is unattainable. There's always something that can be worked on. You're not going to be perfect. But I remember when I was first starting out in your company, working behind the scenes and sending out emails to, you know, tens of thousands of people, I would sit there and obsess over that send button for an hour because I was afraid that a comma was off, a word was misspelled, the merge field wasn't properly aligned, and I would get so sick. Because if I got one piece of feedback out of, you know, 50,000 emails, one person, that totally crushed everything that I had set out to do. And that is no way to live your life. You've got to really be careful. And that is not uh, what your best is all about. You should be willing to make mistakes. And you've said it repeatedly, those mistakes are very important to your own growth. Yeah. You expect to make mistakes. That's how you learn. But man, is it hard to hear from someone who was raised to be 
perfect, I would think. And I, I don't mean to throw my parents under the bus. They yeah. did the best they could. But at the same time, it was that perfection piece is just so running rampant in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening that go through the same thing. So hopefully that helped a little bit. Well, you said that when we are triggered by not being enough, it's a shame pattern coming up that was introduced prior to the age of seven. Uh-huh. This can be very easily you know, to create a spiral of self-sabotage and sort of stunt any growth that you might have experienced. So how does the idea of not being enough hold us back? And what needs to shift to get us out of that spiral of thought? So I think that every human being has a specific purpose to be in the lifetime that they're in. Um, It seems ridiculous to me to think that every other life form on our planet has a specific purpose and human beings don't. So let me start with that idea. Now, the next thing is, how does a human being become aware of that purpose and then what do they actually do with it? We don't raise people to become aware of that purpose. We raise people to go their whole life being safe finding a way to live where they're safe, they can take care of themselves. If they have a little bit of accomplishment, okay, fine. But not to go too far out of the box, you know, with that idea. So what is it that keeps a person in that box is, is, is a question people have asked for thousands of years. How do you take a human being who has a highly developed intellect, we have the most developed intellect on the planet that we're aware of, and yet We're also the person that is so developed, we can stop ourselves from fulfilling our purpose. We introduce Mm self-hate. Shame is self-hate. So once that's introduced into the psychology of a human being, you have shame on one hand, you have guilt on the other hand. If If it is overboard, and it's overboard with a lot of people, they cannot give themselves permission to express themselves to the degree where they expose and and produce and cultivate their greatness to their purpose because they're so afraid that they're going to make a mistake. They're so afraid of what other people are going to think of them. They're so afraid that they'll embarrass somebody or intrude on somebody's life. Like shame does a number on our psychology. And in order for that to go away, we get to a healthy place. We have to build our self-esteem to a point where we're confident in who we are And we're confident that if we make a mistake, we're going to figure out how to do things in a different way, whether it's, whether it is a mistake that inconvenienced another person, or it's a mistake because you're trying new things and you want to see what the results are and you need to correct that mistake to get a different result. Mistakes are not bad. That's how we learn as human. It's how all life learns is through making mistakes. It does something. And if it doesn't get the result, it does something different and then different again, and then different again until it gets the result. But there's no other form of life that looks at itself and says, when it made a mistake, you're bad. (laughs) You're a bad dandelion. You're a bad oak tree. You're a bad frog. It doesn't exist except with human beings except with human beings, which I think is an absolutely fascinating thing. But see, it comes with consciousness because we have the ability to see two sides of of something. So the idea is that we have to build our self-esteem to the point where we're just, we're great with who we are. And we know whether or not we're giving our best and what we're doing and, and we're progressively pursuing our own life. You have probably said a thousand times what you just said, very simply, shame is self-hate. And I don't think I heard it until now. Like you've probably said that many times before in that same 
bent, but I never heard it until just now. So that was huge because yeah, you're right. I mean, I was watching a TikTok video my daughter showed me the other day about this, this little family of ducks crossing the street and these little ducklings trying to make it up on the curb. And this one duckling kept trying like 20 times and couldn't make it. It was so cute, but he wasn't sitting there stepping back saying, I'm such a failure. Please fix me. I'm so sad. Nobody's going to help me. I'm the worst duck on the planet. He just kept trying. And eventually he just popped right up there after the 20th time. That's how life moves. Life moves on. And as a, if a human were doing that, first of all, they'd look around to see if anybody saw and then they judge themselves and then they self-hate. But somebody did it to the human first. They then internalized it on themselves. You had a parent, you had a grandparent, you had a brother or sister, you had a teacher, you had a clergy. Somebody said, what the hell's the matter with you that you didn't get an A? How stupid are you that you go, what are you trying to do to me? Very often they turn it on themselves. Yes. it makes them feel like a bad parent because you didn't get a good grade or you disrupted the class or you did something wrong. And then the parent shames the child. The child internalizes that shame. And if it's done enough in the right circumstances, which happens for millions and millions of billions of people all over the world, they, they actually carry a level of self-hate that, that paralyzes their full progress into the reason why they're here to do what it is that they that are actually capable of doing. And they stop themselves. Nobody else does it, but it's taught to them prior to seven. Wow. Yeah, that's just, it blows my mind. Well, in this episode, you're once again pulling from one of your favorite book titles, God Works Through Faith, and specifically about reversing negative polarity. Yeah. Would you mind explaining what that is, like negative polarity and how we can pull ourselves out of it if we find ourselves there? Yeah. So... Negative polarity is the opposite of positive polarity. But when you're looking at at polarity, you're looking at two sides of one object or one idea, right? Everything has an opposite, and it's equal and opposite. Human beings have, because we have an intellect, we have the ability to see fractions. We can see part of something. Well, here's something that's interesting about the human mind. If you raise somebody that the only part of something that exists is the negative part of something, they will very much grow up in life with very with with certain ideas being so critical of them that they'll only see one side of it and not be able to see the other. It'll also uh, tempt them. They'll have much easier time going over to the negative than going to the positive. So they'll be pessimistic instead of optimistic, right? They'll be negative in mind, not positive in mind. They'll have a tendency to want to go to that side. Once you become aware of this law of polarity, that there's two sides, two opposite poles of every single thing, if you're experiencing something in the negative, you can ask yourself the question, well, what is the positive side to it? Because it doesn't matter how negative it is, there has to be a positive side to it. If I will allow myself to psychologically, mentally work around to the other side so I can start to see it, conceptualize it, ask questions about it, get to know it, it's easier for me to move from the negative over to the positive. So the idea with that is that I'm no longer trapped in my idealization of just something that's negative, but I can completely move over 
and and I can experience the positive side to it because now I can make a more intelligent decision or choice around what I'm experiencing versus being forced into the narrative of the negative all the time. This is where I see in my life past programming playing out very, very strongly because when something would go wrong, my dad would lose his shit. Yeah. Like if it was, he brought the wrong wrench, he'd throw something. If he, he had got a flat tire, he'd be livid and throwing the jack out of the truck and he would just totally lose it. So my role models, I would see that in play and think to myself, well, that must be how it is. So last week experiencing a, a sputtering engine on the boat or a septic tank backing up, you know, it's immediately like lose your shit instead of in the moment saying, well, what's the good part about this? Well, the good part is we didn't have to replace a drain field because we caught it soon enough to where it was fixed. Right. The good news is I can go get, you know, drain my gas tank out and put fresh gas in and realize that I was lazy over the winter and didn't put my stable in the tank. So there's all these (laughs) things that are going on, but in the moment... I'm seeing red, right? So for the people that see red, they really, that's the awareness I want to get to. I'm aware of it like seconds after I've lost my shit, but I want to get to a place where I am aware of it almost instantaneously. Yeah. How do you get there? You practice. Just practice. You practice. So you start off with a pre-decision. I'm no longer going to go to that, to that dark side, to that, to that extreme side. And if you constantly work with that idea, one of the things is is that when you do catch yourself, you'll get right back really quick. If you just practice moving back over really quick and forgiving yourself, you don't internalize it as you did something bad, eventually you will stop reacting that way. Yeah, that's the goal. That's my goal from. Well, oh, I would do now. it all the time. Like, but <laughs> I would come into work and I would get yelled about something, and I would start screaming to people. Yeah. Like, I thought we were going to have a fist fight. Right. Uh, and I had, I had to, I had to stop reacting from this emotional place. I was partly reacting because, um, I'm, I'm it's, there was somebody in my life that was a lot like your father. Not, it wasn't my father, but there was somebody else in my life, and it caused me to go to to the rage probably that you go to when you have that experience. But it was a way for me to stay safe. It was a way for me not to be crushed by the weight of this person's negativity in my life to help me break out the other side. But that became the response to everybody that was then negative to me or correcting me. Sure. Like if it was an, if it was an employer and I screwed up, they had a right to correct me, you know? So I had realized the balance in that and not take it as personal as I had when I was a kid with this other person who did it. Yeah. hundred percent. And don't take you things. It don't take things personally was a huge piece of work yes. that I did several years back reading that chapter from Ruiz's book, the four agreements every single day for 90 days. Right. Like I read that sucker over and over. It's amazing that I haven't looked at it since. And I probably should go back and revisit it because you get complacent a little bit. And I think I have gotten a little complacent in that area, but I think the segues nightly nicely into my next sort of uh, question here around the negative thought patterns and how much effort it requires to change it as an adult uh, than when you were younger, which we see play out in the older generations. I feel like the older a person gets, they become less tolerant of things. Uh-huh. You know, they transition to the get off my lawn guy or the Karen that's yelling at somebody in the, in the you know, the, the supermarket because yeah. they didn't get the last stack of bananas. 
I see this play out in my own life where things that never used to bother me kind of get under my skin a little bit quicker. Is that, in your opinion, a normal progression that just comes with age? And how do you keep it into perspective that it boils down to something that I learned in childhood? Is it, is it, I learned Because your world is getting smaller, not wider. So it's not, yeah. So yeah. it's a, okay. Yeah. So it, so this is a, this is a problem that people experience um, regardless of what it is, it seems to be a phenomenon that happens with age. If a person's not careful as they're getting older, probably because we have experienced the same things so many times, we subconsciously expect them to be that way. And when they're not, and we want them to be, we have this tendency to have this reaction in our life, especially if that reaction, if you're predisposed to that reaction because you had a tyrannical father in your life or something, right? So it's about, it's about having patience. It's about realizing that not everybody's having the same experience that you are and being more tolerant as you, as you get older in your life and not becoming the get off my lawn guys, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And you see it play out for a lot of people. If you would just take a moment to really think about how you're behaving or acting in those moments, it really boils down to, it's not that big of a deal. And it always comes back to gratitude again. We'll say it again. It's gratitude, being grateful for whatever the situation is. And there's, there's always a, a good side to a bad situation. Right. And the other thing is I think that a lot of people, because they never really learn how to think, they go to, they go through the most of their life reactionary and they believe that they have to fight or be angry in order to get their way. So it becomes like a, a, a post hypnotic suggestion for them that everything that somebody else is doing that affects them, that this person's doing it intentionally. And that they have to be the person that that you know rallies that somebody's taking the bananas or stepping on their lawn or or bumping their car or whatever it is, and they have this overstimulated response, as if the person's doing it intentionally to try to do something to you. And rarely is that is, is that the case, right? But in the moment, you feel as if it's they're just personally attacking oh, totally. you, and you're gonna you're gonna dig in. Yeah, yeah, you see it yeah. happen all the time. No, for sure. Well, in the episode, you talked about how important it is when choosing the words you use to describe yourself. It's not, I want to feel more confident, but rather, I am confident. So those words bear a lot of meaning. You have to be specific and affirm the positives in what you speak. You've said it repeatedly here, but I'd like you to reiterate it. Why is it so crucial to the successful mind to be mindful of the words and how you're phrasing even something as simple as, I want to feel more confident versus I am confident? Because your subconscious mind will take what you turn over to it. It doesn't have the ability to rearrange the words or rearrange the meaning. So your intent and your language coordination have to be correct because what you repeat over and over again, your subconscious will repeat back to you over and over and over again. If you're constantly wanting, 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 then your subconscious mind is looking is that you don't have it, you don't have it, you don't have it. So you're always wanting, but you're never getting. You're always wanting, but never receiving. You're always wanting, but you know what you put a question mark after that. It's not coming into your life the way that you want it. So the idea is that if If that's happening, one of the problems that I'm experiencing is I'm also not seeing it. I'm not seeing the opportunity. I'm not seeing where is this thing that I'm looking for. If I program my mind in the positive, in the affirmative, with an exact statement like I am this, this is here, I have that, then your mind looks for the thing that you're looking for. 
it recognizes it, it sees it, and you're not a place of wanting anymore. Yeah, it, it seems so simple when you break it down to semantics. Just a couple of different words in there totally changes the meaning Complete. for your subconscious mind. It's fascinating to me. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, we run into a lot of people in this line of work. You know, I want to be a millionaire. I want to make 10 sales on Tuesday. I want, instead of saying, I am going to, or I will be, or, you know, just right. rephrasing it. But then again, your actions have to meet those words they as do. well. It's one thing to just say it, you know, if, if the secret taught us anything, you can't just cross your legs and hold your arms out and say, it's right. here right now. You've got to put the the committed action behind it to bring those things yeah. in. I think it's just, it's really interesting, but it does make me mindful about what we say, like how important it is that what you speak, because it's that, very important. that SC mind's just gobbling it up. Yep, so there absolutely. you go. Well, in the episode, you also talked uh, briefly about imagination and how, you know, imagination is so important when you're talking about living this, the, your best, you know, being the best is all that really matters. Can you share how you've sort of crafted your imagination over time? Maybe what role it played when you were first starting out in business and how you, you might use imagination today to fuel your life and your own growth? Well, imagination... Um I think was very important in me changing in the very beginning. Uh, because So here's, here's the story. When I decided that I was going to change three things about my attitude, I said, I'm going to do this, okay? Uh, and then the next day, I'm headed to work, and I was not in that attitude. And I recognized really quick, if I don't find a way to stay in this, within a week's time, I'm going to be right back where I was. So... I didn't know anything about how the mind works, nothing. And I was like, okay, what naturally puts me in a good frame of mind? And I was thinking about several different things um, that put me in a great frame of mind. And I said, okay, now what do I, what puts me in the mind where I'm excited to go do something? Because I recognized as soon as I left my house, my attitude started plummeting as I was headed to work. I had a 57-mile drive to work in, in those days. And by the time I got to work, I was already to, ready to turn around, to be honest with you. Just wanted to go home. So I thought, you know what? One of the rides that I really enjoy is when a weekend comes and I'm going to Wisconsin to go fishing or something. I love that ride, the, the, the anticipation, the getting ready, sure. packing the cooler, like all that stuff. So in my mind, I started, I started using my, imagine, my imagination to think about like this is what I'm, what I'm doing. So I would pretend in my mind this is where I was going. And I, what I recognized was that my, the way I felt changed. My emotions changed. I started experiencing enjoying the ride to work where I hated the ride to work before. And I was like, I'm onto something here. So I began to use my imagination in a way to learn to control my attitude. And what I realized later was that I was controlling the thoughts in my mind. Now, there's lots of people that use imagination in different ways. One of the ways is to see the thing that you want, the end result that you want clearly and allow that to really form in your mind and get a crystal clear picture of it and then either draw it or paint it or have somebody make a model of it or whatever in real life um, so that it's something that you can see in front of you on a regular basis. Because whatever you imagine, you can create in your life if you can hold that picture and then just take action on whatever needs to be done to, to manifest it. 
Yeah, and, and imagination is such a powerful tool because you do feel it in your body in those moments. Like when I'm watching, you know, Alex Hanold free climb a mountain in freaking Yosemite yeah. without ropes, I'm thinking, I feel that in my body. I mean, I'm sweating in oh, places yeah. I shouldn't be sweating in. Yeah, and that's I'm a not crazy even, thing. I'm not even there, right? Yeah. So I know what that feels like. You're putting yourself in there. I love that you share that, you know, going fishing in your mind, but you're really going to work and reframing that whole thing because it shows you just how powerful imagination can be. Uh -huh. You know, for me and Steph, when we were first starting out on this journey, it was us imagining what our life would be like to be able to travel the world. And what we would do is we would sit down and we would tune into whatever Anthony Bourdain was putting out oh, in yeah. the moment. Yeah, that was and we great. would sit down and we would open up a bottle of cheap white wine and prevent, pretend it was French. Yeah. We would get the cheese and it was probably a slab of Velveeta, but we yeah. thought, <laughs> it was the softest brie you've ever had. And we would watch Anthony Bourdain go to all these different places. Yeah. And it really put us into the mindset of, I'm going to make these sales calls tomorrow and I'm going to start building yeah. my wealth and I'm going to start doing this. The imagination is so powerful. I mean, that's why... Disney has built their brand amount around imagination. Yeah. When you, I mean, they're the people that create these things are called Imagineers. Imagineers so when yeah, you think sure about imagination, just remember that you have all of that built inside this beautiful human package. You do. So start utilizing it for sure. I love that. Well, as we wind down here, you know, I think everybody would agree we're all just humans living on this rock, doing the best we can yeah. each and every day. The big blue marble. Yeah, big blue marble. Some days we'll get it right. Others days we won't. You know, the good thing is we always seem to get another chance. I yep. think, feel like there's always another chance to better your best. So if today's one of those days when a person's catching us in a moment where they're struggling, you know, what would you say to them to help them, you know, right the ship? You know, give them a little nagel wisdom as they go off about Find their Find three day. to five things to be grateful for. And keep that like in your utility belt, Batman, right? <laughs> it is a very important thing because if we lose our, lose our gratitude, we go to resentment. It's important to practice gratitude every day and be, to be very sincere and serious about it. And it will right the ship. Love it. Well, that's, that's a wrap on that. Well, thanks for coming inside, David. You got it. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.